Hey everyone, this is Stan from UPD Triple and I thought it might be a good idea to start a podcast about metallurgical engineering. So yeah, here we go. Char. Pero siyempre, joke lang yung podcast guys. No? Pero who knows? Mm-hmm. Anyway, so uh, our first lesson for today is uh, module 1 of our uh, METI 176, which is all about uh, binary phase diagrams and your non-equilibrium phase diagrams, specifically your CCT and TDD. Okay. So, I think um, this has already been discussed in METI, METI 11 and probably METI 11 as well. No? So, this is this will be more of a review lang of how you use your uh, phase diagrams and your non-equilibrium phase diagram. So uh, let's start with some basic definitions. And by the way, class, um, uh, the reason why I, I I thought of using a podcast is for our uh, classmates who have uh, struggling internet connections. No, so maybe this will be less taxing to them. And I suggest that when you're listening to this podcast. Uh, you also view your handouts as well, which is already uploaded in Obled, you know. Okay, so that you have a, a sort of visual component to uh, this audio lecture. Okay, with that, uh, let's start with uh, some basic definitions. So we begin with uh, the component. You've heard of this term before, no component, and it just means that it's the uh, it's either a pure metal or a a compound in which an alloy is composed of. So if you're talking about, let's say for example steel, then the components will be your iron and your carbon. If you say something like uh, brass, then the component is zinc and copper. Okay. So if you have a, for example, a ternary uh, diagram, then that means they have three components. For example, a a high entropy alloy could have something like bismuth, zinc, and tin. Now, when you take these components and form a body under study or under consideration, then we call this as a system. So, in terms of uh, metals, a system is simply just a series of all the possible alloys consisting of the same components. Another important concept that we need to define is the solubility limit. Sometimes these are known as solubility lines. And we can see these lines, or sometimes curves, as the delineation between two adjacent regions. Simply put, these lines are the limits of solute addition. That is to say that the line shows the maximum amount of a component that can be added to another component. And still remains as a homogeneous solution. To illustrate this, uh, let's take a look at our handouts. No? And if you look at slide number four, you can see an example uh, graph showing or an example diagram showing the solubility limit of sugar in uh, liquid. No? So this is a sugar water um, system wherein our two components are sugar and water respectively. Okay, if we take a, a temperature and uh, let's just say uh, 60 degrees Celsius, then at 60 degrees Celsius, we can interpolate a line 
and where it meets the solubility limit which is the red line in this graph you can see that it meets at around uh, 6 70 percent so that means that at 70 percent 70 percent sugar that uh, that means that the maximum concentration for which uh, the solution will remain as a homogeneous liquid solution or syrup is when you have 70% uh, sugar. Anything more than that, then you will produce a liquid solution plus a solid sugar, meaning the sugar will precipitate out. Meaning at this region, you no longer have a, a single phase solution, but rather a, a multi-phase mixture. Probably you don't have to explain the difference between mixtures and solutions now because you uh, most likely encounter this during your chemistry days. We remember that solutions are homogeneous mixtures that exist in only one phase, correct? So now let's try to define what a phase actually is. From elementary to high school, we have been taught that phases are states of matter. No? So we have the solid phase, the liquid phase, the gaseous phase, and recently the plasma phase. But in material science, we use it uh, a bit differently. So a phase is a homogeneous portion of a system that has a uniform physical and chemical characteristics. So if you look at this definition, you might think, isn't that the same definition as solutions? Well, kind of, no? And in fact, some textbooks actually use phase and solutions interchangeably, which is interesting, no? Because for the philosophers among you, this is actually a circular definition. But that's a discussion for another day. For now, let's just use solutions and phases interchangeably as well. But we'll be primarily using the term phase. Most metals exist in the liquid or solid uh, state of matter, but they can have multiple different phases. Example, iron at normal pressures has three different solid states, sometimes called aleotropes, namely alpha ferrite, gamma austenite, and delta iron, or if we count the now obsolete beta iron, and it has only one liquid phase, which is just molten iron. Some metals, however, have only one solid phase, but can have different or multiple liquid phases. And yet others can have multiple solid phases and multiple liquid phases as well. Depending on the metal alloy system, these phases can actually coexist at the same time. And their coexistence is dictated by what we call the phase equilibrium. A system existing in multiple phases at the same time is said to be at equilibrium if its free energy is at a minimum under some specified combinations of temperature, pressure, and composition. And this is uh, what we learned from MET-17. No? Now, lo looking back at the definition of solubility limits, we can actually say that a solubility line or curve is actually a, an example of an equilibrium line or curve, precisely because at this particular point, or at this particular line, both the solute and the solvent can coexist such that if the conditions are shifted ever so slightly, uh, the equilibrium can shift towards the solute being completely dissolved or towards the solute being fully precipitated out.
Now, if we try to merge all of these ideas and concepts into one, we get what we call as a face diagram. Okay, so a face diagram is essentially uh, just a graphical representation of all the faces present and the ranges in composition, temperature, and pressure over which these faces are stable or are at equilibrium. One can also say that the face diagram is just a collection of equilibrium curves showing solubility limits. As such, uh, sometimes it is more accurate to call phase diagrams as equilibrium phase diagrams because all the reactions represented in that diagram are allowed to go into equilibrium. Phase diagrams are particularly useful no, because of the many applications it can have. Um, some of which are phase diagrams can be used to predict phase transformations and its products. It helps us understand the formation of microstructures. We can use EPDs or equilibrium phase diagrams to predict what phases exist for a selected alloy composition at desired temperatures. Um, we are also able to determine the chemical composition of each of those phases and calculate the quantity of each phase as well. Some of these calculations have been done in MATI 11, uh, but we'll also be reviewing it in this module. Perhaps the most common type of uh, equilibrium phase diagrams in physical metallurgy or material science in general is the binary phase diagrams. Again, as the name implies, binary phase diagrams just means that there are two components. The components can be seen along the x-axis where they are expressed as percent compositions, usually in weight percentage or atom percentage. You only need to, uh, because it is uh, a binary phase diagram, you only need to express um, one of the percentages because the balance will be the other uh, component percentage. In the y-axis, we can see the temperature, and this is either in degrees Celsius or degrees Fahrenheit. Sometimes, some diagrams like to place both scales now so one on the left side and the other on the right side for solid solutions or solid phases i should say uh, they are expressed as lowercase greek letters so we have alpha beta gamma etc and for your liquid phase you usually express it as uh, just a capital l or if there are many um liquid phases then it's capital l sub uh, whatever number so you can have l sub 1 l sub 2 etc Within the phase diagrams are regions which we call as a phase field or a phase region. And these phase fields and phase regions are defined by the phases that exist over a particular range or composition and a defined temperature. Now, these phase fields and phase regions are bounded by a phase boundary. And these are just the lines that separate the different phase fields. And if you remember, um, so these are actually just solubility lines no? or the equilibrium lines. Some of these boundaries have special names no? and these depend on the type of phase fields that they are separating. Okay, So we have the first one is known as a solidus. This is a boundary below which only solids are present. So this could be multiple solids or it could be just one solid. This, this basically tells us that if you are if your if your system is at an equilibrium temperature below the solidus temperature then you are sure that your system will be in its solid form then we have your liquidus line which is similar to the solidus line but this time 
uh, it defines a boundary above which only liquids are present. So again, solidus is below which everything is uh, solid, while liquidus is above which everything is liquid. So again, similar to solidus, this could be um, multiple liquids or just one liquid. And similarly, this would mean that uh, above a particular liquidus temperature, we expect that our uh, system will be entirely molten or entirely liquid. And lastly, we have the solvus line, which is um, just a boundary between a single solid phase field and a two solid phase fields. This implies that the solvus line is actually a solid solubility line, wherein it marks the maximum solubility of a particular solid phase in another solvent solid phase. Okay, so to illustrate this, uh, we can look at the phase diagram of copper and silver. You can just simply Google this or look at uh, slide 19 of your handouts. So you'll notice that uh, in the left um, space or left area, you can see that there is uh, a region marked as alpha and below that is a region marked as alpha plus beta. And what separates that region is a solvus line. So this means that at a particular uh, set of uh, temperature and uh, weight percentage of silver uh, combination, there exists a maximum solubility for your uh, beta in alpha, such that anything above and to the left of that solubility limit, beta will be dissolved in the alpha phase, while anything below or to the right of that limit, beta will begin to precipitate out of the alpha phase. Sometimes when two or more metal components brought together, uh, they can form what we call as an intermetallic compound. Now, these intermetallic compounds are not to be confused with alloys, no? Because in alloys, there is no distinct stoichiometric ratio between the two components. But in intermetallics, there is a distinct chemical formula that defines it. A good example is iron and carbon, where they combine to form iron carbide or Fe3C or sometimes called cementite. Other notable examples are uh, copper and tin, where they can produce a host of different intermetallics. No? It could have copper 3SN or copper 3SN5 or other intermetallic compounds. These intermetallics are still considered as phases because they have a homogeneous structure with homogeneous properties. Okay, so now that we're done with the introduction, uh, just a review of the basic concepts and features of the binary phase diagram, let's try to actually use the phase diagram no? and see what we can, what sort of uh, information we can get out of it. Okay, so perhaps the simplest one is uh, trying to determine which phases are present at a particular composition and temperature combination. Okay, so for this exercise, I'll be referring to the uh, copper-silver uh, phase diagram again. So let's start with, let's just say for example, we have a, an alloy, uh, a copper-silver alloy that has a composition of 70% uh, silver and 30% copper 
and we are to determine which phases are present at a temperature of 900 degrees Celsius. Okay, uh, you can check uh, slide 19 of your handout for this now. So if we drew a line from uh, the x-axis from 70% uh, silver and draw a line vertically upwards and we also draw a line from your 900 degrees Celsius and draw a line horizontally to the right then you can see that the two lines we drew meets at a particular point and this point is in the region wherein we have only liquid okay so this is somewhere around the upper right region no? so this means that at 70 percent ag and 900 degrees celsius we can expect that our um that our alloy or our system is fully molten so when will this be useful so just try to think of um cases wherein you are asked to uh develop a for example a develop a melting uh, procedure for uh 70% ag uh 30% copper alloy then you can recommend a temperature that is somewhere around this value and if you want to be accurate you can actually look at uh the liquidus line and we can see that uh the liquidus temperature for this composition is actually somewhere around 800 degrees celsius no so we can safely say that anything above 800 degrees celsius we are sure that uh, we will have a, a molten alloy. Apart from determining the uh, actual phases present uh, in a particular combination of uh, composition and temperature, we can also determine how much percentage of each component is present. For single phase regions, that is regions wherein you only have one phase present, then the composition of that phase is just equal to the composition of the alloy itself. So for example earlier, the liquid is actually 70% silver and 30% copper. Now what happens when we fall under a region or field that has more than one phase present? So to illustrate this, let's try a composition of 30% silver and 70% copper. And uh, let's use the same temperature node, 900 degrees Celsius. And if you do the same technique as earlier, wherein we draw a line uh, from the um, from the x-axis and project it upwards, uh, and we also draw a line from the y-axis and project it uh, to the right, they should meet at a particular point, and this point should be somewhere around the upper middle left portion. And looking at that region, we can see that the components present are alpha plus liquid. Okay, so this is a mixture of a liquid phase and a um, and a solid phase alpha. So from this information, we can uh, actually extract two additional uh, values. No, so the first one being how much of each um, phase is actually uh, present in the mixture and for each uh, phase present how much of the components are in each of those phases so let me repeat that no and this time i'll be using the example so again we we found out that uh, our region is the alpha plus liquid region now we can figure out 
how much percentage of the mixture is actually alpha. And from the balance, we can get the percentage of the mixture that is equal to the liquid. Not only that, we can determine uh, the percentage of uh, copper and silver of the alpha phase and do the same for the liquid phase as well. To aid us in determining these values, we employ the use of what we call as a tie line. And from this tie line, we can perform uh, inverse lever rule calculations. Okay, so uh, to give you a better understanding of this, I urge you to turn to slide 24 of the handouts. So the way we do this is um, from the point that we have just determined, which is the red uh, dot uh, in the slide 24, um, we extend uh, a line to the left and to the right uh, until it crosses an equilibrium line or a boundary okay so again we just extend that point to the left and to the right towards the boundaries of the uh, of the region or the field we are in now from here we can uh, mark the end points of our tie line so we should have a left end point and we should have a right end point now uh, which um, phase these endpoints corresponds depends on the uh, region as adjacent to it. So if we look at the left endpoint, we can see that the region adjacent to it is the single phase region alpha, and therefore this endpoint corresponds to the alpha phase. And if we look at the uh, right endpoint, the region directly adjacent to it is the uh, liquid. Uh, the single the single field uh, the single phase field liquid and therefore this endpoint corresponds to the liquid phase now from here we can draw vertical lines downwards towards the uh, x-axis and whatever values we get is the composition of the phases corresponding to the endpoint okay so let's look at the left endpoint first which again is uh, which again corresponds to the alpha phase. If we look at the uh, projection towards the x-axis, we can see that this uh, has a value of eight, around 8% 8 uh, silver. So if we work out the balance, that means that there is 92% uh, copper. So this means that the alpha phase is composed of 8% silver and 92% copper. Now we look at the uh, right endpoint which again corresponds to the liquid um, liquid phase and if we draw the line projecting downwards to the x-axis that corresponds to around 42 percent silver and again working out the balance that becomes 58 percent copper and therefore our liquid phase is comprised of 42 percent cop uh 42 percent silver i mean and 58 percent copper okay so we have now determined the composition uh, of both the alpha phase in terms of their components and the liquid phase. Now we just need to determine how much of this mixture is actually uh, alpha and how much of it is liquid. Okay, so now to do that, we use the inverse lever rule this time. Okay, to use the inverse lever rule, we need to look at the tie line now. And imagine as if the tie line is a, uh, a sort of seesaw, no? okay? So if you look at the tie line, it has uh, three points, 
we have two endpoints, the one on the left and the one on the right. And we have another point, which is our original point, which is the just the alloy composition. No? So we imagine that the alloy composition or the middle point is our fulcrum. And therefore, it divides the tie line into two segments or two levers. And we will use these levers to calculate the percentage of each phase. Okay. So um, imagine if the fulcrum was uh, dead center. So we can say that uh, each lever is 50% of the total length of uh, the entire tie line. Correct. However, if we move uh, the fulcrum to the left or to the right, we are still able to compute for the percentage of each lever since we are able to, we are still able to determine uh, the lengths of each of the these arms or levers now so let's just say uh, the left lever uh, has a length of two units while the right lever has a length of one unit then therefore we can say that uh, the left lever is 66 percent of the entire length of the tie line while the right lever is 32 percent of the length of the entire tie line so again the length percentages of these levers corresponds to the phase percentages of the mixture now the question is which lever corresponds to which phase okay so this is uh, where the term inverse lever comes uh, into play now so it's called the inverse lever rule because to determine the percentage of a uh, of a phase which is represented by the endpoint you do not use the lever or arm that is directly adjacent to the endpoint, but you use the opposite arm or the inverse arm or lever to calculate its uh, its percentage. Okay. So to illustrate, let's use the left endpoint, which again corresponds to the alpha phase. If you want to get the uh, percentage of the alpha phase, we will need to get the percentage of the right lever. Okay. And similarly, if you want to get the uh, the percentage of the liquid phase, which is represented by the right endpoint, we need to use the left lever. Okay, so hence the term inverse lever rule. So let's try computing the actual values now. So if you want to get the uh, percentage of alpha, we need to get the uh, length percentage of the right lever. Okay, so to do that, let's first compute the, the total length of the tie line. We can do this by computing for the right endpoint minus the left endpoint. Okay, so if we do 42% minus 8%, we have 34. So that's the entire length of the uh, tie line. Then uh, we get the right lever length, which is equal to 42 minus, that's 42 minus 30%, which is the uh, the composition of the middle point, which is, again is just the alloy composition. No? So that's 42 minus 30 gives us 12. That is the length of the right lever. So to get the percentage of the right lever, we just divide 12 by 34. And that should give us around 35%. No? So that is the uh, percentage of alpha in the mixture, alpha plus liquid. Okay. So if we, we can do the same for uh, the liquid, no, or we can just get the balance. So that's 100% minus 35% is around 65%. So therefore, we have now computed for the mixture uh, mixture percentages, no. 
Okay, so if you want to practice more, there are several several other examples in the handouts uh, uploaded in Novlet. So I urge you to look at them, try to practice on your own, and uh, have fun with it. To bring that smile.